Welcome to Ashamed of Thrones, your weekly recap podcast of HBO's Spanish language soap opera, A Game of Thrones. My name is Doug, and with me, as always, is Brian. What's going on, Brian? Good evening, Doug. Good evening, sir. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, how many beers have you had tonight? Uh, Baker's dozen. Okay, well, uh, is that 12 or 13? That's 13. Ooh, okay. That's unlucky. A dozen's 12, and then the lazy Baker's 11. It, are Baker's just not good at counting? I don't understand. Well, the story, uh, from my understanding, is that back in the olden days, if you didn't actually produce a dozen of something, or the 12th was, or 12th was uh, insufficient, you might be uh, murdered by uh, Robert Strong or a similar character. Uh, so bakers would bake 13 of everything to be safe. Yeah. That makes no sense because what the hell baking tray has 13 like spaces for biscuits. Yeah, that's an odd number. So you know they're robbing from the next uh, the tray. So oh, yeah. they're just going to have a series of odd numbers. I guess if you deal with two people, uh, eventually it'll even out, I imagine. Typical um, Bernie Sanders. Typical. You know, it just doesn't add up. <laughs> All right. Yes. So uh, this is episode four, Book of the Stranger, uh, or as I like to call it, Return of the Idiot Titsucker. That's yes. right. Sweet Robin is back, and he is dumb as shit, as always. Um, That's what happens when they get him on some solid foods. Yeah. <laughs> He's taking solid poops, and uh, it is not helping his uh, his uh, his personality at all. I mean, he needs to go back to that mama's milk. That's right. All right, so what are your feelings, initial impressions, before we get uh, delve into the episode? How would you feel about this one? You know, when I was watching it, I wasn't the first time. I wasn't that excited about it because there really wasn't much action, mm-hmm. and the action that was present was kind of dumb. But um, <laughs> yeah, but in returning to it a second time, um, it does. I think a lot of things move forward, and we're closer to a lot of conflicts, and they're setting up a lot of the conflicts and and answering some questions. It just there wasn't a lot of action in the episode. It didn't seem like. No, and I'll agree with you. Um, my biggest criticism is they did introduce some nice ideas. I did like the fact that they finally got into some political uh, talk in Marine, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I feel like it was mishandled at uh, certain points, and some of the arguments were, you know, these dime store philosophy sessions. Uh, but I do want to say it's nice that they are pushing forward the plot, but I think some things are just trying to, like, it feels like they're trying to kill off a main character every episode, and they're trying to keep such a high uh, on these, like, shock moments that. Because there's so many of them, it's they've lost their uh, potency in my eyes, anyway. Well, sure, and I mean, I don't know that Osha was brought back for any reason other than to be murdered in this that, episode. Yeah, we'll get to that. There's no but main character. Yeah, that's that's sure. that, that's something I, uh, I I you know obviously pisses me off, and we'll get to it when we get to it. But as overall, I will say this is probably I enjoyed this one uh, the least, or at least uh, the same amount as I enjoyed the first episode, which I didn't like. Too terribly much. It didn't. I don't know. It didn't. Didn't piss me off. But yeah, I was kind of bored by this, and the ending really. I don't know. Made me angry. So we'll get to it. Well, let's let's launch into it, Doug. Okay, so we start off at the wall. Lord Commander Dolores uh, is picking up John's sword. I guess he's gonna take a sword. Why? I don't know why. What's going on with there? I don't know if John's gonna take the sword, but they they show Dolores picking up the sword. Um. You know, reminds him that, you know, there's zombies coming and all, more undead assholes like himself. Uh, he should stick around to fight him. Uh, and he's like, you know, fuck that. I gave my life. I'm moving on. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Brienne, Pod, and Sansa just show up. And you get this weird embrace where John and Sansa, you know, 
They have it's this the, hu- the Hollywood moment where everybody pauses before hugging someone they haven't seen in quite yeah. a while. They stare at them to get a good look, like, is that mm-hmm. really you? And they have to think about it. And then Son they, of a bitch it is! And they're like, are they going to hug? Are they not? Oh, yep, they're going to hug. And then it's a huge string swell. You have like the Disney music come in, and it's like a super happy moment. Uh, I didn't, it didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. Um, maybe it's cause I, I don't know if I'm jaded or, um, I didn't feel the joy. It was nice that they both like met each other, but I was like, what the fuck are they going to do now? I think that you are jaded. Okay. And, fine. and I don't know that I necessarily got real, got real excited about it, but everything I read online, people were really excited about it. It's because this, I mean, this is the first time that Sansa and John have seen anybody, uh, from their family in quite a while. This is one of the first positive developments for either of them in quite a while. And, I mean, theoretically, it should be leading to them leading the Army of the North eventually against the others, I would think, is where this is headed. Right, but right now, they don't seem like they command a lot of forces. They don't seem like they can take on Ramsey. They both still like feel like they're very much uh, in a recouping phase. Um, sure. So, I don't know. It was fine. Um so, uh, John says specifically, um, you know, they, they have this like moment where they're trying to catch up with each other. Yeah. And John specifically doesn't mention, Hey, by the way, I was dead. Uh, well, no, I, I read that scene as they had already started talking a little bit and were aware of kind of a, what had happened. I could be oh, wrong. So what happened that. to me? Oh, I got, you know, uh, yeah. sold into, you know, I was tortured by one King and I was, uh, you know, sold to another one and married and raped. It was awful. And John's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, well, I got stabbed and I died. So, you know, I, I wasn't doing, you know, great either. <laughs> I guess we missed all that conversation. But um, that, that's, that was my guess. But I could be wrong. And I did like the point. I would like to point out that this is one of the first instances where someone has described food in the show. Okay. Which, if you recall the books, uh, there were pages upon pages <laughs> of shits about eels. Right. And, and then Sansa says... Soup's good. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't go on for like a, you know, a page and a half about it. Then they uh, say something like, uh, do you remember the, I forget, onion soup? Yes, it had the something and something in it. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, George R. R. Martin was sitting at home going, God, I could have gotten at least three minutes of dialogue. Yeah. That thing. He, he probably just unzipped his zipper and then is like, what, that's it? <laughs> you cock teases. Or you soup teases. <laughs> yeah, soup teases. <laughs> All right, so they're hanging out, and John says, "Hey, I'll go wherever you go." And she says, "I want to go to Winterfell." And he's like, "No, I don't want to go there." So mm. it's a weird, awkward moment. And she says, "Fine, I'll do it without you. Fuck it, we'll do it live." And yes. uh, and then they cut to Davos finally getting around to asking Mel. So what happened when uh, you know uh, Stannis died, uh, his wife died, and his child died? What happened? And before. Mel can answer. They get interrupted by Brienne, who which I, I wanted to before we even got to that. Yeah, um, the I think there was uh, there. I don't think there had been much communication between Davos and uh, Melisandre other than Jon Snow. So I think that was the first time that she revealed to Davos. Am I saying it right? Is it Davos or Davos? Either way, I think it's a potato potato situation. Okay, so that was the first time that she'd revealed to him that she'd completely. Flip teams from uh, Team Baratheon or Team Stannis over to Team Snow, um, so I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was implied though. So, uh, and I don't know why they haven't had time to talk. It's not like they have chores or something. Uh, they're just hanging out. At the, they're basically squatters at the Night's Watch. 
They don't they don't go on patrol. They don't really they don't chop in wood for the fires or they can at least chickens. peel a potato or two. Right, exactly. But a potato, please. But um <laughs> But they finally get around to having this conversation. It's obvious that the showrunners are gonna drag this out and Davos is gonna murder Melisandre at some key moment when one character, I don't know who, reveals or maybe Mel confesses to Davos that, you know, well, Shireen died because I burned her. Uh, just like Jon Snow did in uh, in Hardhome when he talked about uh, Mance Raider. This will, you know, who killed Shireen? I did. Huh. Uh, so I imagine that's going to happen at some key point and it's going to be a conflict and hopefully Davos, you know, stabs her in the heart or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I see that coming. What do you uh, see happening? I, now that she's raised Jon Snow, I mean, I think that she's kind of invincible at this point. I do not think so at all. I don't think anybody in uh, George R. R. Martin's world is invincible. Maybe I should scale back the term invincible. You think but she I mean, has I, plot armor for a while? I, I, I would think so. I would argue that now she's brought back Jon, uh, she doesn't really have any other quivers. What else is she going to do? Uh, Bring it back again. I guess, yeah, she's just going to be his insurance policy, but that's not really sexy. No, um, I know. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But uh, they do get interrupted before uh, Davos can press her any harder by Brienne, who, you know, stumbles over wearing a weird, like, medieval maternity cloak or something. Like, it always looked really strange on her. <laughs> medieval Momo. <laughs> medieval, uh, uh, is that what it's called? Uh, Momo? Moomoo. Moomoo, that's what yeah. it is. Ah, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I couldn't think of the word. But, um... You know, she basically throws it in their face that she killed Stannis. So I guess that kills any. Yeah, brings uh, up blood magic. Brings uh, up blood magic. You know, says he confessed about the ghost baby killer. Right, and I don't know what Brienne's trying to accomplish here. And it's I just really I'm not as big of a fan of Brienne's character in on the show. I guess she's a little bit too competent. Um, you know, she is. Yeah, yeah, because uh, <laughs> this last couple episodes is the first time she's been competent in this entire show, I thought. No, well, she's competent in, in her uh, swordplay, but I feel like her people skills, she's more naive in the book and she's more of a likable character. You know, I don't know. It just seemed like she's she's bragging about killing Stannis and kind of like trying to intimidate Melisandre that, you know, you're next, presumably, which if she believes that, you know... Stannis unleashed the blood magic and killed her former king, which I imagine is the reason why she killed Stannis, right? Why the fuck isn't she mad at Melisandre and trying to execute her? You murdered my king, yes? Now you die. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a, there's a lot of questions there, and I, I guess I just take Brienne at face value. I guess. Um, you know, in that she she's not going to go and murder them because she said she doesn't forgive or forget. It's in the past now. Um, what? That, that doesn't make any sense. She killed Stannis for specifically murdering yeah. Renly. And yeah. Melisandre is not only complicit in the plan, she enabled this to happen with her blood magic. Uh, she was, I mean, she was the most important part of the plan. I, I would argue she's more important to Stannis murdering Renly than Stannis was. Yeah. He could have done it without her ghost vagina. Right. So moving on from this, because I feel like it'll just, I don't want to devolve too much. Um, but yeah, that basically is a confirmation that Stannis is dead. Uh, still don't know why the showrunners chose not to show that. And even if they brought Stannis back now, it would just seem like out of left field. So we can really just close the book on Stannis. 
I think so. Okay. Um, oh, then it cuts to the creep squad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where's the uh, creep squad? I, I guess they're in the veil. Right. And uh, it, that was hilarious, watching Robin shoot the arrows. Yeah, he kind of squints with one eye and then kind of looks yeah. around and he's just like, fuck it, here we go. Yeah, and uh, what's the what's the dude, Lord Royce? Yeah, uh, Jan's Braun Royce. He couldn't even be bothered. He just, yeah, all right, you friggin' idiot. I yeah. mean, what's he going to do? Because, I, I mean, it's clear I guess, that- get somebody to give him some more tips besides just hand him an, the... The guy doesn't seem to be given. Royce doesn't seem to be given any instruction, and the uh, no. the other guy that's right next to him is just handing more arrows. I guess try another one. Um, sure. So, so then uh, Baelish rolls up in the medieval equivalent of a Hummer limo. Yeah, I yeah, wrote that yeah. too. He looked like a he looked like a goddamn pimp. Yeah, I don't uh, know. What some, some ghetto rich coming time. out of a you know a stretch limo or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you see he had spinners on the on the wheels on that thing? <laughs> I saw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he arrives and um, Baelish has a some dumb falcon to give the idiot titsucker. And uh, the idiot titsucker is, of course, uh, he loves the falcon. And uh, so then Lord Royce calls out Stannis, or not Stannis, uh, calls out Baelish regarding yep. um, the whole uh, Sansa Stark thing and what happened. And that was brilliant, <laughs> Baelish. Right. Scene, because he took what it was an accusation against him, which is. I mean, it's plain as day that right. he's responsible for her being sold into uh, Ramsey Bolton's arms. But he turns it around where Royce has somehow lost favor and is now more in a precarious position. And right. Bayless has apparently gained even more uh, more influence over uh, the idiot Ted Sucker. I, was, I thought that was brilliant. I did too. I thought it was a little bit, uh, it was concentrated and it happened really quick, but I did enjoy it because yeah. you're absolutely right. He turned an accusation against him t- into an accusation against Royce and then leveraged his relationship with Sweet Robin and said, well, you know, your opinion really doesn't matter. What do you think? <laughs> Sweet Robin's like, ah, oh, should we kill him? <laughs> should we make him fly? And, and, and then uh, Royce realized, holy shit, my life uh, is screwed. in the arms of the idiot titsucker. Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious that this kid is still like saying, am I going to make people fly? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. looks like he's 14 or something. Uh, yeah. Well, I wondered, he called uh, Baelish Uncle Peter. Right. I, because shouldn't he be called a daddy at this point or stepdad? Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, with the incest and all that's going on, it's really hard to keep all these people straight. But you're absolutely right. Uh, he is uh, his stepfather. So I don't know why he called him Uncle Peter. Whatever. Daddy Peter? Um, oh, that sounds a lot worse. Yeah. I guess Uncle Peter doesn't sound so great either. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I call mine. I don't know what you call yours. <laughs> Stepbrother Peter. Um, so Littlefinger uh, knows Sansa escaped somehow. Of course, he, right. uh, yeah. he knows a lot. And uh, he uses his power over the idiot Titsucker to convince him, more or less, to have the Knights of the Vale join the fray. Um, as he says, it's time to join the fray. And I would have enjoyed a cut, smash cut to Walder Frey now, but uh, we didn't get that. Yeah. So, what the fuck is Littlefinger up to? I don't... Okay, so... Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't remember what deal he made with Ramsey. I'm trying to think back. This is why I should have probably watched the entire series more than one time through, but he I know he gave Sansa to Bolton to bolster his claim, but what did he get out of the deal? I don't know. Because basically he's committing treason against uh well, he committed treason against the crown by, you know, escaping uh Sansa from the Red Keep, but He's obviously putting himself in a lot of danger to have Sansa 
marry Roose Bolton or Ramsey, sorry. So I really don't get what he's trying to accomplish besides it's obviously well, some says, power grab. Yeah, he, he it does have a line somewhere, and I don't remember where, but it's something like chaos is the ladder to, to success right. or something along those lines. Yep. I mean, I, the only thing that makes sense is that he's trying to take all these houses, turn them all against each other, and then he uh, he emerges from the rubble, I guess, by staying uh, outside of the bounds of it. But, right. Or the other thing is, if he it was just trying to scheme, if he didn't know how bad Ramsey Bolton was, so when he gave over Sansa, he didn't know that it would turn into... And I believe that. I think there was a scene where they showed him, and he knew he was like a jerk, but I guess I believe that he didn't realize how awful uh, yeah. Ramsey was, so I believe that. So then he's he's scheming to get the Knights of the Vale involved, in because to, to date they've stayed out of this thing. Presumably they're well rested and they're ready to fuck shit up. Um, and maybe he does actually have loyalty to the Starks was what I was thinking. But then you think back, and I think he was involved in the poison of John Aaron, and he right. uh, betrayed Ned in the in at uh, at uh, King's Landing. So. I really can't discern what he he's up to unless it's complete self interest. I, I yeah, I don't know either, but it's definitely about um, accumulating power because he not only has the veil essentially by his marriage to Lysa, which he killed, uh, mm -hmm. but now and his control over Sweet Robin. I mean, he's basically using him as a puppet. He makes a suggestion. Hey, what do you think? Should we go to war? Yeah, let's go to war. Okay, great. That's that sounds like that's what I would have done. Thank you, Uncle Stepdaddy. Yeah, and then if they retake Winterfell, he'll have the North. So he'll have the North and the Vale. That's two out of the five kingdoms under his control. Will I mean, he have the the Will he have Winterfell though? Because he knows at least Sansa still exists. Right. No, but that but that's his in is Sansa. Like he, you know, he did sell her into uh, you oh, know, he marital marry, slavery. He marry but, Sansa. Right, but he he got her out of King's Landing. Sure. So I don't know how Sansa's feelings towards uh, Peter uh, will go off, and we'll talk about that more in the next week's on because that actually comes up in the uh, promo for next week's episode. Sure. So uh, Alda Marine, my friend. Yeah. All right. So Tyrion invites all the slave masters from the other cities to come meet with him and, uh, you know, to treat with him. And Grey Worm and Melisandre are. I don't know how you say Miss Sandy. That's what it is. Miss Sandy are just pissed and they don't trust the slavers at all. You know, probably with good reason. Um, and they don't think Tyrion should be even uh, meeting him. But, uh, you know, and, and Tyrion like tries to calm their fears. And he says, I know slavery is awful. Um, you know, given my recent experience and they realize like, well, how many days were you a slave? Basically, Tyrion pulled the, uh, you know, I understand the Black Lives Matter thing because I have a black friend. Uh, yeah. He just basically tried to like. I understand know. the homeless because I was locked out of my hotel room once. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we were at our summer house in the lake, and uh, you know we couldn't get the keys. We had to smash a window, but yeah, you know we came to that after after being I outside in the cold. guest house that night. The pool awful. house, yeah, the pool house was kind of yeah. drafty. Um, but. You know, he does make sense. It does make sense, especially since everything that they've tried in Marine has been a fucking failure. So mm. you would think having new blood and having uh, Tyrion think differently about the situation, uh, it makes sense to me. Um, so, and, and this is where I, I liked the, the conflict. So you have a very, you know, uh, a central conflict of do we treat with our enemies, you know, but... In typical Game of Thrones style, they throw a lot of huge ideas 
in this very comp, this very weird conversation where it's all this dime store philosophy between the the slave masters and basically Danny's small council. How do you I, feel yeah, about I, that? I understand the, the, the. I think that Grey Worm and Missandei have a good point. Absolutely, I mean, they do. But I think Tyrion has a point too. Yeah. Well, no. I, I mean, he does from a um, from what will work perspective, but from a ruling perspective. I mean, they're taking a leap of faith in believing in Danny by her showing up there. Now she's gone. They've got this this uh, deformed individual, and no disrespect to our friends, who, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to be mean about it. Well, uh, I I will tell you that I did break an ankle, so I had to wear crutches for six weeks. So I basically know what it's like to be deformed and and handicapped. Okay. Well, I hurt my toe once. Um, no, but it, the, the, you've got an uh, admittedly odd-looking person show up. He yeah. doesn't have any connection. He's barely been there, and da- and he's taking a completely different stance on di- diplomacy than Danny did. Right. You don't know whether whether this guy really is speaking with the queen's intentions, or if no. he's just doing he's doing his own thing, asking his own best interest. You just don't know. From this is contrary to what she is the, the position she's taken, and now she's left. He's barely been there, and now he's doing the thing that. I don't know that they think that she would ever do. Right. And and this is what I mean by I kind of I like this whole dynamic going on and Marine, mm-hmm. I think this was the most interesting part of the episode for me. God, a real I see I thought this was one of the most more boring parts. Well, of like I don't like the individual scenes. Like I feel like it went on way too long because uh, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because you probably want to describe the scene, but we they talked to these uh the the slave ruling slave masters from the other cities. And then they immediately go to meeting with the local freemen, uh, the, the freed the slaves. The sort of it is, is uh, Tyrion says, you have seven years to, we're offering you seven years to abolish slavery. We'll compensate you for the loss of slaves. Here, uh, here's here's three slaves again. or three hookers. I don't understand that. He gives them gifts and these three yeah. girls come in. Are they there on their own free will? Are they getting paid? I guess he's paying them. So they're not slaves, but they're wage slaves. And yeah, oh, that's not a wage slave. <laughs> Sex workers aren't wage slaves. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they don't. You know, they would no. do it. They would do it even if they didn't make any money. What? That, that makes no sense. But uh, anyway, but anyway, okay. But going back to the fact that you know, Tyrion says we got a different form of slavery, where we basically just tax people and they do kind of what they want, but we garnish their wages in the form of taxes, and they seem to be just fine. Um, so he's he's propositioning a more evolved uh, form of slavery uh, called feudalism, right? Sure. Uh, but but going beyond that, I I don't know. I I liked. I didn't like any of the marine shit last season. Let's just say that um, the power struggle in marine was uh, not entertaining. There was really no there was no really political intrigue in marine last season. It was all. Hey, we're trying to do this thing. We have uh, the uprising of the uh, Sons of the Harpy. That's it. Sure. But at yes. least this is a little bit more. It's a little more advanced, but I just went on very long. And, it did. Um, I will give you that. It went on. Like I said, there was like four scenes. Um, you had the meeting where Tyrion was talking with Grey Worm and Missandei before the meeting. They went into meeting one. Then they went into meeting two. And then they recouped and talked again on the way right. out. Uh, and right. it was just a little bit too much. Maybe one scene too long. Right, so then it transitions from them him meeting with the slavers and offering the seven year, seven year deal itch. to the throne room. <laughs> sure, the, the seven year itch, um, and uh, of course we have some of the uh, classic Tyrion humor 
where he's attempting to speak in uh, what language is that he's trying to speak in? I guess it's Valerian. That's yeah, a weirdo shit. It was the same language he spoke in when he talked about eating the woman's baby with uh, various. Yes, yeah, yes. So this time he says that, uh, I'm sorry, you have something about fat time. And yeah. so he's meeting with the hoi polloi that are there, and they're all pissed off because they've heard about the meeting with the slavers. Um, I, you know. Uh, um, well, basically, the, the, the freemen are bringing up the same uh, arguments the same that, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was, Miss Sandy that, and Grey Worm were bringing up, but Miss Sandy and Grey Worm, Bacterian. Uh, and they, they were tore the company line there. Right, they tore the company line, but you can tell they weren't happy about it. And they—that's what the next scene is about. The fourth scene in Marine, which I mean, yeah. come on, three scenes is enough. But, but basically, they the the Freeman were bringing up the same points, and it just shows that Grey Worm and Missandei are willing to put their asses on the line for Tyrion, at least for now. Uh, but they really don't think the slave masters can be trusted, and obviously. From a you know show watcher's perspective, you know that's just very ominous. So they're gonna yeah, deal with these so, people, and some they're gonna you know pull some shady shit. So th- this is why I wrote down. This is why they were spinning their wheels on this thing. I just look at this and wonder what the hell role could the slavers pay play in the ultimate showdown, ostensibly about man versus White Walkers or others. I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think anything except for it's a hurdle for. Daenerys and her dragons to get to Westeros with whatever army she can muster. That's it. Well, I mean, we'll see later. She's now got a hundred thousand uh, horse boys, uh, but I, I don't, I don't know what the slavers could do other than now she has the entirety of, of uh, whatever the continent that they're on at her back. But I don't think she does. Like, even if, yeah. the, even if they strike a deal, I don't think they're going to, I feel like they're not going to, be aggressive, but I don't think they're going to be on board with. Hey, yeah, you can you know take half of our army and go across you know the world. But what, is, what even is their army? I mean, it, uh, is she not, is she going to take a slave army? Yeah, you're right. I don't know. So I, I don't know. That's what so, that's what that's what was frustrating is I don't see how this fits into the larger picture. I hope I'm proven wrong, but that's frustrating thing- where they have significant uh, number of of uh, things or scenes, and I don't understand how it plays in the final. I agree, uh, but I will tell you, I enjoy Tyrion being the hand of the king again, which is what he was in King's Landing, on the hand of the queen. So he gets to be a political animal again, which I enjoy, but you're absolutely right. I I don't know where this fits in to the greater narrative. So, And I think I've mentioned it to you several times. I just want to get to that goddamn battle between humans and White Walkers. Yeah, well, that's all I care about. Well, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, this could be blue balled, and you know, who knows? It could they could just like meet and make friends, and just. That's oh yeah, it. you think so? Yeah, could be. <laughs> all right, well, take us to Horsey Town. So I was thinking we should have a drop for this segment anytime we go to Horsey Town, sung to the tune of Lip Sync Funky Town. Yeah, take me to do. Horsey Town! But at the end of this episode, will we ever see Horsey Town again? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe they're arming up to get out of there? I don't know. But anyway, so uh, we cut to uh, the dynamic duo of Dario and Jorah. And Dario, uh, of course, uh, is taunting Jorah by discussing banging uh, Danny. Right. Um, in an effort, just, I mean, it's clear as day to make him look jealous. Yep. I just thought that was stupid. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it just it's it's making Dario is Dario the most unlikable character in the show. Like even Ramsey, I feel is like he's a cartoonish bad guy, but I'd rather see him. Like I feel like I don't know. Dario is just worthless. Yeah, I, I don't. I did not understand. I did not understand that. But anyways, so then uh, Jorah 
kind of convinces them to knock it off by saying, hey, we need each other, whatever. Yeah. So then they uh, end up on the top of a hill and looking over uh, Horsey Town, and they're getting the lay of the land, which, of course, is a, a, an opportunity for Jorah exposition about what's going to happen down in the town. Yep. And they uh, argue over whether they should carry weapons in. Of course, you're uh, everyone are forbidden to bring weapons into Dashkalin. And really, this you mean based Dothrak? I have to based Dothrak. Yes, I have to correct you. Yes, point of order. Um, So, but that would that part was just an excuse to show. Well, first to for uh, foreshadow that um, Dario was going to end up using that that knife, but also to show Jorah's grayscale, which to me that was really dumb. I mean, I, I know it probably is setting something up, right. but why is he wearing that leather bracer on his right arm, but it's not wearing over the one where he has the great skin? Like, the one yeah. thing he wants to hide, and he's got a torn shirt. Yeah, why you wouldn't know? he replace that shirt, number one, yeah, or yeah. move Get that... stupid leather bracer on the other side. I don't know. Maybe it's like, uh, you know, if you wear an earring and one ear, it's being one thing, and I don't know. Anyways, uh, so they decide to sneak around down in Horsey Town. Yeah, and I wrote it. It looks like the set of the 1980s film Beastmaster. Uh, yeah, yeah. Looks really low rent. It's sure, just well, like... The Dothraki were engaged in their hedonism. They're just banging on the streets. And, yeah. you know, they try to sneak around to find the Khaleesi. And they say they're going to pretend to be merit, uh, merchants, which, I mean, if you're creeping around an alley like that, I don't know how that they thought that story would, would play. Right. Uh, it's just dumb. Yeah, so they ran into a couple of dudes. Hey, was one of those the uh, Dothrak bros? Oh, I don't know. I think I know. one of them was the one that Jorah fights. Oh man, that's not good. That's the spinoff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what Doth is HBO Ra- going to do when Game Doth of Rak-tosh. <laughs> Doth Rak-tosh. No, uh, no, no, it's Entourage. Oh, Doth- Entourage. Yeah. 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 So they they catch him, and the one guy says, "I'll go get the others." I don't know why that dude ran and didn't just fight or just scream up the top of his lungs. I mean, it was an excuse for, I guess, a. Yeah, a terrible well, action sequence. It really, I don't know what it added to the show. I don't, uh, I really it, it, it filled the action quota because you were like, well, yeah. there wasn't enough action in this episode. So they, they realized that and they're like, let's insert it here. Exactly. And so that the action, I said earlier, there was not enough action in this episode. The action was stupid. Right. But I did enjoy seeing Jorah trying to <laughs> yeah. pocket sands. And the guy just easily dodges the sand yeah. going through his face. I did yes. enjoy that too. But at the did same time. Did you watch time, King of the Hill when it was on? Uh, no, I, I catch, you know, I'd catch uh, random episodes, but uh, I was never. One of the characters did that several times where you just got in an altercation with somebody and would throw sand in their face in his pocket and yell, pocket sand. <laughs> <laughs> so I could not stop laughing during that scene. Awful. So uh, Dario, of course, had the knife and shanked the guy that was beating the shit out of Jorah. Yep. I don't know what Jorah's deal is, but he's apparently done. I guess. Um, unless he just needs a sword, he can't do hand to hand combat at all. It doesn't make any sense, but. Uh, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, to cover up the knife wound, uh, Dario smash. Dario smash. And I, I wrote like, why is this happening? Yeah. Pretty gross. It's pretty uh, gross. It's uh, I just this whole thing hurt my brain. I feel like at this point I go, this is feeling very close to um, Dorn dumb yes. uh, at this moment. And I and then when it comes back to Horsey Town at the end of the episode, I thought, OK, we are definitely in Dorn. Point yeah, out. yeah. So then it, it goes to the dash uh, or the in the Dash Kaleen Center. I don't know what the name of that place is. And yep. the calls are all discussing what to do with Danny. No, not the calls. The ladies, the Dash Kaleen. Oh yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry. 
And uh, they're, they're reiterating essentially what happened in the last episode. Right. Uh, and they're just trying to let her know that, the, you know, all these other women here have had the similar experience and, you know, we, and she actually shows some like optimism. She's like, I hope you do end up with us. So it seems like, you know, this Alice Cooper looking woman actually yeah. wants Danny to, to survive and not get killed. She doesn't seem like a, a, a piece of crap. So, um, so Danny decides she has to pee and <laughs> she's got to take a squirt. <laughs> yeah. I, she said in the show i need to break water which is I, I, it seemed like goofy writing i don't know yeah it seemed like uh i don't know like i gotta go water the plants yeah. but uh she takes the one young girl who was taken as a um you know dothraki bride when she was 12 and mm. you know they, they they commiserate over and you know my life sucks. Yeah, I, I was a uh, wife of a barbarian too. Um, yes, yeah, it was a mentally evil uh, FML. <laughs> Fuck my life. Fuck my life. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtagging all over the place. And then before they can get their panties down to pee, uh, Dario and Jorah show up and grab the uh, the young widow, um, and they're like, "Let's kill her. I want to kill her. Please let me kill her." <laughs> and she says, "No, don't kill her. Do you trust me? All right. Uh, we can't get out of here." I've got a plan and it involves you guys. And at this point I was just like, okay, that was a total 18 moment. Yeah. I feel like if they snuck into the city with only, uh, finding resistance by two dudes, they could probably sneak out of the city with, uh, Danny and killing that widow. Uh, they might get tracked down, I guess, but, uh, you'll never make it out alive. Right. It just seemed weird, uh, and contrived. What'd you think? I mean, I don't know how else they could have set up what's coming in the episode. Yeah, yeah and that, that's what it dumb. seemed like. They were just setting this up, which is obviously what happened. Yeah, yeah. So not much of that interlude, but so take us to church jail. All right, so church jail. Large Marge is being escorted by the uh, the the head uh, septum, the one that beats everybody. Uh, it, 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 I don't mean to interrupt. Go ahead, yeah, please. Did you notice that that septa, kind of, she looked, she reminded me a lot of Fred Armisen for some reason. I, I don't have his uh, face fresh in my mind, so. Oh, you gotta watch oh yeah, yeah, Portlandia oh yeah, for... yeah, Portlandia. Yeah, I can see him pull off that role. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, that big Septa is uh, taking Marge around, uh, and she sends him sends Marge to meet the High Sparrow, and the High Sparrow has another one of these long winded, unconvincing stories. Uh, Basically trying to be the good cop in the situation and get these people to switch, just like he did with uh, Cersei and just like he did with Tommen. And it's getting a little old, and he's trying to appeal to, you know, uh, Marge's, uh, I don't know, uh, charity towards the poor by talking about how he used to be a rich guy and he just had this weird uh, come-to-God moment out of nowhere where he just woke up after a party and everybody was... I wrote down... Fancy shoes, orgy, nothing else matters. <laughs> right. Like, that's a pretty fast... Like, I can understand if he... If you added drugs into that equation somehow, I might be able to believe that story. Yeah. But he's just like, you know, I saw all these naked people, and the food was rotting, and I said, you know what? I'm going to be a homeless beggar from now on. <laughs> After make... I dropped 20 tabs on accident. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. If he's like, I got, you know, I was on that White Walker... And I nearly killed my mom. 
Um, something I like that. Shrooms for four days at right. that point. All I'm saying is it didn't seem like a real rock bottom moment, and I didn't buy it, and Marge isn't buying it either. But um, he says, well, I mean, he basically goes with that trope of a lot of organized religion of somehow the poor are more more holy than the, I guess people who have shoes and right. don't wear dresses, fancy shoes. Yeah, but uh, he. From what Marge perceives, um, has a mind fuck for her and gets her to visit her brother finally after I guess being separated for I don't know months. I have no idea what the timeline is here and how long they've been in Churchdale. There's but no timeline. There is no timeline. But Loris is in a bad way. Uh, Marge is saying, you know, fuck this guy. He's trying to get me to break. I'm not going to break. Fuck him. And Loris is like, yes, please break. I just want it to end. And it seems like she's willing to. Uh, she was. She wouldn't give in other on her own, but she looks like she's willing to give in to protect her family, or at least Loris. Yeah, the thing I thought during the scene was, you knew who they need there, Coach Davos. Yeah, they need a real pep talk. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He had him up there fighting. They beat the Septa next time she came in. No uh, question. But I, I thought what was funny about this scene is she says, "Loris, you're the future of our house." And I'm thinking, wait a minute. In what capacity? He's, he's. He's not going to reproduce, or I guess he could. Uh, but He was never promised to anybody, was he? No, but I thought he was a Kingsguard. Maybe they didn't make him a Kingsguard in the show. They he probably was a Renly Guard. Yeah, you're right. Uh, they probably didn't make him a Kingsguard, but still, like... And a Renly Shaver. Right. Renly Shaver, you know, I guess he could, you know, have a kid, maybe. I don't know. But uh, I just thought it was weird that she says, you're the future of our house. Um, and he's like, I don't care about that. I don't care about anything. Just basically get me out of here. Uh, so he's breaking like a little, like a twig. Um, and then that's how they end it. And then we go, uh, on to the King's apartment. Tell us what happens. Well, we find uh grand master Pycelle talking to Tommen. And, uh, it's funny that the evolution of Pycelle over the episodes, I was reflecting on that recently. Because remember, he was a trusted advisor in the beginning, and then Tyrion figured out that he was the one betraying him to Queen Marjorie or uh, Queen Cersei. of Cersei, right. which you know probably led to him being back in Queen Cersei's good graces after Tyrion left town. And then there's also Pycelle. It looked like um, there was this scene where he was rambling on at a hooker who eventually left, and then he got up and it seemed like he was actually not a frail, bumbling old man. Yeah, he's so, a little uh, more spry. I, I, yeah, I think he's a I think he's an interesting character because at the end of the scene, it's one of the funniest things in that show ever of him shambling out of there. <laughs> Real slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so um Pycelle's talking to Tom and, and Cersei overhears it, eighty sixes him. Uh Rodetti shovels out, it's hilarious because he's making all this noise saying all this time, and I think we're supposed to believe that he's faking this his feebleness. feebleness. So uh Cersei and Tom and talk and Tommen, of course, has just been brainwashed by the High Sparrow, and Tommen wants to, he's afraid of the High Sparrow and tells his mom, you know. Yeah, because uh, Pycelle is preaching, yeah, Pycelle is preaching caution, which seems to be um, Tommen's uh, inclination as well. And obviously, Cersei isn't all about caution. She's like. Tommen has no, Tommen has no. uh, Agency? Yeah, none whatsoever. I mean, he goes every. It's like the dude in the Big Lebowski, in that everybody he speaks to 
that's the the last person he spoke to is the one who is in control of everything that he does. Right. Like the, just like the dude in the Big Lebowski, where every time he talks to somebody, he repeat the last person or a couple person go their phrases. But um, this aggression will not stand. Yeah, exactly. The yeah, fucking hey, man. But hey, and so um, Cersei ends up telling after Tommen says how scared he is and he doesn't want to escalate, he doesn't want to antagonize. Um, yeah, Cersei says basically tells him to man up, you know, and brings up the the uh, the humiliation that she suffered at his hands, and discusses you know Marjorie, and uh, Cersei again cows him, you know, um, and of As course he ends up. Yeah, and then he ends up revealing the secret uh, that the High Sparrow disclosed to him, which we figured out later was that Marjorie Terrell was about to make the Walk of Shame. Well, right. So I wrote the uh, I wrote this in a little asterisk. I have to stop you here. Um, this got me excited as if it's some book scheming because I I was thinking, wait a minute, what if the High Sparrow planted uh, a signal? to Tom and knowing he'd spill his guts to his mom as like a feign or to set something up. And I also thought... 100%. Yeah, and then I also thought, well, either that or maybe Cersei hears the secret and she tells uh, Lady Olena something else to get the Tyrell army killed and wiped out. Um, So I thought maybe Cersei is being sneaky either. Like, I feel like it was either the High Sparrow or Cersei... And then I realized this is the show, and it could be neither of them. Uh, yeah, or it could be Olena. I mean, th- I think this is this yeah. is this whole storyline is one of the more intriguing things because it could be it has potential. It, no, it's there's no indication of who is playing who, right? In these different relationships, and it could lead to real uh, real shifts in power. In Absolutely, if, yeah. If the Tyrells come in and destroy the the, um, dest- and I don't know how the Tyrells if they do go in and destroy the uh, faith militant, how they don't somehow bring the Lannisters down with them. I mean, there's, there is a lot. Right. Or like, they, or the Tyrells can get eliminated uh, as well. Um, yes. By bringing their entire army in, you know, because I don't get, think, that, I don't think there's any question that house Tyrell ends up winning the game of Thrones. Uh, I don't know. They, they seem like they have a lot of momentum and they have a lot of uh, resources. They're almost, they're as rich as the Lannisters or maybe close to, but they seem to have a lot more, uh, forces and be a lot more aligned, unlike the uh, Lannisters. Well, Marjorie definitely could be married to to somebody who does, but I don't. I mean, I don't, just don't know how Tommen makes through this whole thing. He's he's definitely not going to make it. Yeah. So. so so then that scene cuts to um, after Tommen ostensibly reveals a secret to Cersei that we're not told what the secret is. That's a very good point that you raise that it might be Cersei playing. The uh, House Tyrell, and that they didn't actually yeah. say what the secret was on the screen. That's yeah, a very good Tommen point. could be telling the truth, mm-hmm. and Cersei can be using that information and and just coming up with another plan that has nothing to do with the information. And then there's the question of whether Cersei is aware that the High Sparrow is playing Tommen to get her to do shit. I mean, there's right. so many, there's it, so many layers of that's, this. Thing. And and this is this is what I talk about when I talk about uh, a Game of Thrones or the Fire and Ice adaptation to the show. And why I get so angry when they don't when they leave out intrigue and they just have dumb stabby time like in Dorn uh, mm-hmm. and other places where all this political intrigue is what made the first season and what we love about Game of Thrones so exciting is this like you know people fucking each other over and you don't know everybody's intention you don't know quite what they're playing at um, and I feel like the show's gone away from that so I'm glad to see that some of it 
maybe coming back. Once again, this is all bullshit. We could be really, you know, seeing into this um, more deeper than that is actually there. So no, no, and th- this is Doug. This is why I did like this episode is that because it did raise all this intrigue. I mean, after this episode, I have so many questions. I hope are going to be answered. For instance, what's Baelish up to? What's Sansa and John up to? What is the High Sparrow up to? I mean, how do the Lannisters? Who outplays the Lannisters in the Mexican standoff between the Lannisters, the Tyrells, and the High Sparrow? I mean, this is the, all of the things. Almost all of the things raised in this episode are are exciting moving forward. Even though it wasn't a lot of action in quotation marks. Well, I just feel the potentials there, but I've been let down before. I've been hurt before by this show, sure. so I refuse to get my Doug, hopes up. Doug, tell us where the show touched you. Well, do you have a doll for me to show you? Because I can't say it. <laughs> yes. It's a Dothraki Blood Rider doll. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So, basically, Cersei goes into the small council meeting, says, they're going to make uh, Large Marge do the walk of shame. Um, and Olena's like, that can't happen. She's like, I agree. And Kevin Lannister, the, the new <laughs> hand of the king. We can't let them rule with their dirty peasant hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was a great line, and uh, yeah, Kevin uh, said that the king told him not to march, but but Jamie comes in and with this amazing plan, saying, "Well, you don't have to do anything; you just stand down and let the Tyrells come in and uh, you know take the Ty Septim or High Sparrow uh, hostage or kill him uh, and rescue Marjorie. The king will just be happy to have her back; that he won't really question what you did or what you didn't do." Uh, and then, of course, somebody says. Well, if it goes sideways, a lot of people could die. <laughs> and Olena says, well, a lot of people are going to die anyway better them than us. I was like, sure, okay, that's sure. fucking cool. And I like how Jamie is suddenly like that guy yeah. that uh, used to wear the dollar bill suits and be on infomercials. The government's giving out a million dollars. I don't know like, what's going on with Jamie. I wrote finding, that down in my notes. He's finding loopholes to get around the <laughs> He knows. If, 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 see, if what, see if what you do is you steal his wallet and then you say... I stopped this guy and I uh this guy saw this guy steal your wallet and I beat him up and I brought it back to you. Here you go, bro. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's not the best analogy, but <laughs> Well, uh, that's the only one that came to mind right now. But yeah, essentially it's, it's like say don't don't murder that guy. Okay, but you didn't say to beat him within an inch of his life. <laughs> it's like it's like Al- okay, here's another analogy. When Alistair Thorne said, you know, I've always obeyed orders. <laughs> yes. No one yeah. never told me to told not to commit murder. treason. <laughs> Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, so, so yeah, I wrote that. They don't know. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Jamie on the show. I really don't. If you told me to encapsulate what Jamie's personality or what his character is like, I couldn't do it. They just, he's just doing whatever from episode to episode. Um, I, he just flipped it. He flipped it for his sister's badge. I think that's the only explanation. I guess. Um, but essentially, that's the plan. The Tyrells are gonna show up with their army in the city. Kevin's going to stand down and let this confrontation happen. I really don't think it's going to happen the way they think. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, obviously, we did see in the previews um, Robert Strong killing some uh, some of these guards, whatever they're called, the, um, the Minutemen or whatever. But I don't know if we're going to see a huge army on uh, church warrior battle. I don't know. I don't have any clue. And this is so intriguing. Because if the High Sparrow is as cunning as he seems to be, or at least as I'm perceiving him to be, then I, I think that he knows that this this is what is being planned against him. I, I would agree with he's you. He's got a plan to deal with that. So what's his plan? I don't know. 
I, yeah. I, like I said, that's why I think the Tyrell, if the Tyrell armies are going to be in the crosshair, crosshairs, they could get eliminated, and that would benefit, I think, Cersei the most, which is why I started thinking maybe Cersei is setting this into motion, and she's making all this up about Marjorie taking the walk of shame, because... She says, Cersei says, that's not going to happen. And I, or Elena says, not going to happen. And Cersei says, I agree. Wouldn't Cersei not care if Large Marge takes the walk shame or actually want it? Go, well, listen, I had to do it. That bitch has got to do it too. What is no, she, what's her I best interest? I think her interest? bigger concern is, is finding a reason for the Tyrells to take on the Faith Militant. Right. but uh, and, and I guess it's, it, it's a win-win situation for her regardless because the Lannister army isn't doing any of this. Yes. So if, if they get... You know, if the Tyrells get into trouble and they lose some of their force or all of their force, force uh, Cersei's still in a good place because the Tyrells are a perceived threat to her. So, more importantly, plausible deniability. Right. I didn't have anything to do with that. That was the Tyrells. Yep. Yeah. All right. So then we go to the Winding Islands or the uh, Iron Islands. The Crying Islands. Crying Islands. Uh, somehow Theon found somebody to take him to uh, the Iron Islands. Oh no! I think he used fast travel. Fast travel, like a like a warp zone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he jumped into the tube, Mario Brothers style. But uh, somehow he gets back to the Iron Islands, and Asha or Yara in the show uh, is all mad because she's like, "Listen, I tried to save your life, and you refused to leave." And he's like, "Yeah, I was broken. Uh, I was kind of tortured out of my fucking mind. Uh, give me a break." But he doesn't say it that confidently. He whimpers. Um, and essentially, now he says he wants her to be the queen of the Iron Islands. I, I don't yeah, I know why. She, I, I understand because she did put all the people's lives on the on the in, um, at risk and attempting to rescue him. And she had him rescued, and he he went back in his cage like a good doggy. Yeah, um, but she could have knocked him out. Like if you're gonna do <laughs> if you're gonna do cheese ball like storytelling, which is what that whole departure was was yeah. all a fabrication. Didn't happen in the books. She could have just knocked him out and like, you know, uh, all right, he's knocked out. Put him over your shoulder and let's get out of here. But uh, and she knows that he had his wiener cut off. Right. I mean, that's that's going to fuck up with any. That's going to fuck yeah. up anybody's head. I don't understand why she's such. Uh, I don't know. She's being such a, a Sansa brat about this whole thing. Well, she's probably taking after her, her asshole dad. Probably. Uh, but I wrote uh, I don't I mean, I guess it's just propelling us towards the king's moot. But uh I don't see why um, Theon's backing his sister. Besides, maybe he just believes in her, but uh, I don't know. Like, she doesn't... What is he... He says he wants to help her. What what help is he going to give her? I don't know. I don't know. Right? Yeah. I mean, she thought he was... Initially, she thought he was back for the king's mood. He just happened to come in at the right time, but... I don't know. This is... And this was... There's three instances of this happening on the show where... There's uh, a reunion between a brother and a sister, and sisters are doing it for themselves these days, and and are uh, you know pushing the guys forward. Um, Look at you picking up like subtle context. It says, was that not completely obvious? No, I wasn't paying attention. I was just thinking, you know, um, man, she looks like a dude. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah, and I, well, the entire time I kept thinking was, hey, remember when he fingered his sister? <laughs> Yeah, was that? The, was, did they show that in the that. show? Was that a scene in the show? Yeah, too? yeah. When he was initially riding back, he was finger blasting her on the horse. Right, and yeah, and then later she's like, "Oh, sorry, it was just a prank, prank bro." <laughs> <laughs> you got iced. Yeah, yeah. It was. 
really weird. It's, I don't know. It was really, that, that whole thing was weird. But anyways, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. This scene was kind of um, this, this scene really didn't do much for me. And especially because the scene ostensibly is setting up the King's moot. The most which, exciting part of yeah. the books. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I guess the end story had to be propelled forward. Um, I uh, maybe, guess maybe the crying islands will pay a play a part in the end game. You know, the free, I hate, I hate it when I use the phrase end game dog, because it's a word. I think that dumb people use to make themselves smarter when they're talking about how a show is going to end. What are you going to say then? Uh, alternatively, the big battle at the end, the bad guy fight. What do you want to say? The finale? Uh, the final countdown. It's yes. Yeah. We'll get Europe involved. All right. All right, so what happens now? Where do we go? Oh, then we uh, go from the not-so-subtle transition from uh, to from Theon to Ramsay flaying an apple, apparently. Um, which, I, I wonder if these one of those things where the show writers sit back and go, oh, that's a funny transition. I guess. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, so they bring in... Um, Ramsay's uh, goons bring in Osha, and uh, he's ready to pump her for information, apparently. Yeah, but he was doing a really bad job, of just a terrible job of peeling that apple. I don't know if you've noticed or not. Yeah, he just did like a, a like I don't know, one swipe around the circumference. And that yeah, was it. that was awful. So I guess they don't have vegetable peelers back then. But anyways, um, so she asks, uh, they kind of engage in a back and back and forth, which was pretty funny that he said, you know what my sigil is, the flayed man. And uh, yeah. Osha said something like, do you eat him afterwards? That <laughs> I've seen worse. I thought it was so, kind of fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He looked like he was into it. And so uh, he attempts to bring how she served the Starks, and he, she says something about she, he owed, uh, the Starks owed her, and he was, she was going to try to sell him. Uh, and, of course, Ramsey knew better than that because Ramsey is the most smart person ever. Yep, the most <laughs> smartest. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And so she tries to make a move, uh, but, man, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I knew I knew she was dead as soon as she walked into that scene. Yeah, which is unfortunate because I, I just wrote about this scene. I don't know what this scene illustrates or accomplishes besides to make us more depressed about the fate of Rickon Stark. Because, um, you know, we talked after this. I brought up after or during last week's episode that uh, maybe this is some kind of clever ruse to uh to take down Ramsey from the inside by the Umber guy. It's called uh, online the uh, the Northern Conspiracy, I think is what it's called. Yeah, uh, well the Grand Northern Conspiracy is yes. larger than this, but okay. this is definitely something referred to as trick on or uh, fake Rick on or something like that. <laughs> but uh yeah. but essentially damn, people people could be so, like solving cancer. What are we doing? Yeah. I, yeah, but we we like to come up with these benefit names for uh situations like uh like this. But uh, I think this this puts that that uh, situation back a little bit, um, you know, makes it less likely once again because that would be interesting having the um- Umber guy pretending to be loyal to uh, uh, Ramsey. That could still be the case, but I I still don't understand what killing Osha here accomplishes. But Ra- Ramsey is a genius. He's really smart, and he's an asshole and a murderer. Well, we've known that through I don't know how many times he's killed people. Even this season. Yeah, and of course, the young would have already told him how the Stark boys escaped. I mean, right. of course, I didn't think about it until after, you know, until the scene, like towards the end of the scene when he mentioned it. But of course, why would he know that? Right. You know? 
Um, so yeah, this uh, this kind of pokes some holes in that theory that uh, that uh, little John Umber is is betraying them. And now we really, I mean, I think the only thing that I think that this scene does potentially for the show is really throw the the fate of Rickon, which I think at this point we should probably call Recon. Um, in the, in, <laughs> I like that. Did you come up with that, or did you rip that off? I saw it on the internet. Yeah, I mean, the Recon. internet once again yeah. solving cancer. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to take credit for shit that's not mine. But the Re- Recon was very was very intelligent, uh, or very small, very funny. So, I, I mean, I think uh, it's eventually setting up the pink letter. I mean, I think that's all this is. But yeah, yeah but why? Why do you? Why, you could yeah. done the pink letter without killing Osha or even Asha being. She could have just been dead. Uh, the small John's like, here's Rickon. He was with some wilding whore. We fucking killed her. Yeah. After raping her a dozen times, or whatever a horrible person would say, but I don't, I don't see why bringing her into the story just to have her dispatched. I mean, unless the the whole point of it was that she was going to try to take a run at him and see if she got lucky by stabbing him, but just so many holes in that that theory. I agree. That I don't think it makes any sense. Right. Why? It, why wouldn't she just come in with? Anyway, I won't even go down that rabbit hole. So, right. take us back to Winterfell, friend. You mean the wall? Sure. So yes. we go to the wall. <laughs> I gotta write down the right thing on my notes. Yes. All right. So everybody's black. <laughs> everybody's looking like they're eating pig assholes and lips, and they aren't Tor- happy Tor- about Tor- it. Mal- he, he had a leg, I think. He had, he had some a, weird. Had everybody was mold. yeah. Everybody's eating some disgusting piece of meat, and uh, Tormund was, I guess, making eyes at uh, Brienne. I don't know. I didn't you catch. Yes. I I. I uh, didn't watch this scene uh, either times I watched the show. I think I got up to, uh, I don't know, get something to eat the first time. And the second time, I was rewatching the show during work, so I wasn't able to actually watch this the scene. Was the, yeah, this, this was what was he doing with that? What was he doing with the leg? Was he putting it in between he's his just, like circle like of his finger like, and thumb? He's eating it like a piece of corn and like just staring at her. So it's, he's like, this is your dick. Oh, Arr. yeah. He wanted, to cl- he wanted to hit the pelts with her. Uh, yes, it was it was it was really really funny because he's just t- he's gnawing on this like pig leg and staring at her. She's not eating her food and she's kind of looking at him and then looks away and he <laughs> cuts back to him. He's just still staring at her, gnawing on his pig's leg. <laughs> that is so funny. So, so then Dolores chimes in because he's it actually it shows Dolores' reaction like well, what the fuck is going on here? And so <laughs> Dolores chimes in with, "Sorry, my lady, this food isn't as good as a, you know whatever." But then the funny thing is that. Uh, Tormund Giants Bane, he's staring at Sansa or at uh, at Brienne, and Sansa's sitting right there. Which, I, if with the story would have you or the show would have you believe, is Sansa's incredibly beautiful, but Tormund just wants to get down with Brienne. Right. You know, it was you. You really should watch that scene. All it, right, I'll force fun. myself to do it. We'll and see. You are stupid for missing it. I'm. I'm. I apologize, but uh, so we get the letter. Listeners send your hate mail. To Doug at Game of Thrones. Ashamed of Thrones. Ashamed of. <laughs> Just do Ashamed of Thrones at gmail.com and we're going to push everything uh, at Ashamed of Throne, singular, because Twitter won't let me fit that last letter in, and at Ashamed of Thrones.com. Uh, moving and then, on. And then send your hate mail to meundies.com and say Doug does not deserve Modal because he didn't watch probably the funniest exchange in the show. Yeah, and uh, I still haven't got a mattress from Cast for Mattresses. <laughs> fucking jerks yeah really anyway so during this awkward uh lunchroom scene um you know somebody comes in with 
uh, a letter. Now, before we get into what this letter is on the show, let's talk about the pink letter real quick. What do you remember about the pink letter in the book? Gosh, not a whole lot. I, I, I mean, again, I read all the books once, and um, there was just a lot of times I zoned out because it's fucking <laughs> right. six thousand pages. Yep. And I, you know, I, I watched. I'd watched the show, and then I read the books, and then I watched the show again, and then. So it's all confused in your head, right? It's not confused in my head. It's just there are there's so many things that happen in the books that if you haven't read the books multiple times or gone and read like a former, I mean, it's so much information. It's unbelievable. And I actually picked up the first book again two weekends ago. Oh, Jesus, don't do that to yourself because you're going to be compelled to read them all. I know, but it's it's like, it's it's a thing where it's, it just feed, the interest feeds itself. And then yeah. now I know so much more. And now I'm reading back thinking, oh shit, what about that? Yeah, no, and, and that's that's good writing. That's, that's what it is. It's like, yes. when you read it again, you're noticing different things. It's just like watching... Uh, a movie several times, like uh, yeah, Big Lebowski. You know, every time I've seen that movie so many times, and I still pick up shit that I missed. Yeah, it, it's it's so interesting, and it just I I uh, I, and not, I don't think I've ever really gotten into um, a mythos like this that, ever. You know, I've read I've read Lord of the Rings, I've yeah. watched Wars, I've just, I've never been grasped by something, and and I blame you for making me do this podcast. Yeah, I I I'll. <laughs> I accept that blame, but okay. I want to say that I was infected by it too. Uh, you know. Sure. All right. So tell us about the pink letter. Okay. So the pink letter in the book. Here's the situation. Uh, John is still the commander of the Night's Watch, and he gets this mysterious uh, letter, um, presumably from Ramsey. Says it's from Ramsey, but he gets the the person who writes the letter gets all sorts of weird things wrong about. Um, you know, there's no. Uh, the wax that is pink, but there's no like sigil on it. Uh, they say things like, you know, we hung all the people that we found. Mance Raider, basically, uh, in the book, they sent Mance Raider to get um, the Sansa character, which is Jane Poole, out. Uh, basically, John gets this letter, says it's from Ramsey, and it prompts him to say, fuck it. We're marching on Winterfell. He gets and all his another, boys another together. Big, and, and I'm sorry, to interrupt, but another big point is that in the show or in the book, and I, I, I read some article today about uh, the oh, pink don't letter, do that. trying to catch up a little bit, and uh, because I knew it was important. Um, I also read that uh, in the books, Ramsay Snow would have never, or Ramsay Bolton would have never used the word bastard. Right. Yeah. He's famously <clears throat> hates being called a bastard. Yes. Because he desperately wanted to be a trueborn uh, Bolton. And so he, he could murder his dad. Right, I ex- uh, guess. But he hates the word bastard, and the letter, the author of the pink letter, writes it a million times. Um, so it's 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 not clear, but it seems like there could be some discussion as to who wrote the pink letter, because it achieves, because what it achieves, and what it achieves is John gets so angry that he's like, fuck it. Uh, all the wildlings, all the Night's Watch who want to come with me, we're going to Winterfeld and we're going to fuck this guy up. Bastard goal. Right. And that is the goal of whoever wrote the pink letter. And that is what breaks the camel's back as far as uh, the Night's Watchmen who are against John to kill him. So that's how he ends up dying in the book. Mm. Uh, because of the pink letter motivating him to march on Winterfell. And they stop him in his tracks and say, you've gone out of control. In the show, go back to the show, here we get this letter from a guy. A guy comes into the gate in uh, 
you know, uh, Flamen, you know, finery. So it wasn't delivered by Raven. It was delivered by a guy who looks like he came from Boltenfeld. I didn't notice that. Yeah, they showed the gate opening, just like when Brienne and Sansa entered uh, Castle Black. There, they cut from uh, Asha getting killed to uh, the flayed man uh, sigil on the back of the guy's, on the front of the guy's shield that was on the guy's back. Basically, a messenger shows up, and that's well, precedes. I, I don't know that that's uh, dispositive in any way because it, if uh, somebody who actually wanted to foment. Uh, a fight there then right they would dress somebody up i agree yeah. i don't think this matters uh i will say the one thing and and i try not to read any reviews or any media uh about the show before i record these podcasts on monday night but occasionally things slip through and uh somebody said about this current letter that gets uh read to john in the show they talk about uh rickon's dog summer being skinned and its pelts on the floor which didn't happen. Uh, yes. Ramsey has his head, but we have no reason to believe that the Umbers brought the rest of his carcass so that Ramsey could flay the body after it's been killed. But uh, we also don't know if that was Shaggy Dog or not. Oh, uh, yeah, we still don't know whether that was really Summer. I get, We're assuming it is. Summer or Shaggy Dog? I thought Shaggy Dog. Oh, was... yeah, yeah, Shaggy Dog. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, wow, I feel like an order. asshole. <laughs> I feel like an asshole now. I fucked that up. But... Yeah. um. But regardless, there are at least there's at least one inaccuracy, which is leading people to believe that maybe the Umbers and the rest of the North are conspiring against the Boltons to take them down, and they think by rallying John um, to bring his forces down, they can help overthrow the Boltons. And once again, this is my great hope because I want it to be interesting. I want this show to be, I don't know. I want everything to stop coming up Millhouse for uh, <laughs> for, for Ramsey, uh, but uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, he's like the Forrest Gump of uh, murder and rape. Um, but he he uh, so now we've got a lot of forces going in the north. We've got uh, yeah because we got the veil supposedly the coming. Veil. We've got yeah. the wildlings. We've got the one man army, the one man wrecking crew. One 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 one. Yep. Yeah, and you know what? They talked. Um, I guess that's later. Was that later? No, it's already happened. Um, what? What's where that? Um, the uh, John Snow asks how many? Oh no, this it's coming up. I'm sorry, it's coming up right after this. Uh, where John uh, John Snow asks uh, Sansa Tormund? how many soldiers oh, yeah. that Ramsey has. He says five thousand. And Tormund says he has two thousand wildlings that can fight. Fucking one one's worse at least a thousand. <laughs> sure. And, no, sure. and John could be worth a hundred. If he's got Melisandre bringing his ass back to, to life yeah. after he gets run yeah. through by a sword. Sure, so, sure. I mean, Just that uses extra lives. And then once again, we don't know whether Melisandre can raise all the dead people up from the, yeah. the dead. We just don't know. So Yeah, she could do a uh, Night's King come at me, bro. And just suddenly a thousand people are alive. I would like it. Yeah. So, I, that's, so uh, there's so many forces at play now in the north. I'm really curious between the Manderleys, the the... The, we, uh, and by the way, we haven't met the Manderleys on screen. They've just been talked about. The car, the Umbers, the yep. Karstarks, Karstarks, the Freys, the Knights of the Vale. Um, I mean, the, it's the shit's about to get wild. Yeah, this is leading up to. Uh, we all know what Clegane Bowl is. Clegane Bowl is the hopeful uh, throwdown between Gregor, the undead monster Robert Strong, and um, the Hound. Which spoiler alert. 
isn't uh, dead. By the way, spoilers for this podcast, uh, an hour in. Uh, if you were listening to the show and you got, not expecting spoilers, thing, you already know this bullshit. Okay. Well, you don't. So, in addition to Clay Game Bowl, there is something being hyped called Bastard Bowl, which is going to be Jon Snow versus Ramsey Snow. Uh, and obviously, I think this is what that's all leading towards some kind of throwdown or epic battle for Winterfell. Yes. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. For Winterfell. I just I'm really curious about how all these different parts to come together. Yeah. And also I still want to know who the flayed men were in the season 6 preview. Well, we haven't got to that part in the show, so I know it's driving bananas. But I okay, mean, so so yeah, the, they uh, they received the pink letter in the yep. show. It's yep. written uh basically it sounds like a, a guy anybody you've ever played in Call of Duty uh he just insults them, come see me. Yeah, <laughs> talking them. about rape. I'm gonna rape you. <laughs> a lot of homophobia talking about his wildling lovers. Yes, absolutely. Oh so, yeah, it is Xbox Live. So one one of the things I was curious about this is that how did um, Sansa know that Ramsay killed her father? How did that make it back to uh, Night's Watch? Wait, say that again. Uh, in the scene, uh, Sansa says that Ramsay already killed his dad. And I wondered how that made it back to Castle Black. Yeah, how did that make it back to Castle Black? Because obviously that didn't happen until after Sansa, Brienne, and Theon got away. I mean, it happened probably in part because Sansa had gotten away. Right. So, uh, yeah, who knows? I don't know. It was interesting. So they discussed the troops. Ramsey has 5,000, Wildlings 2,000, plus 1-1. And so John is kind of uh, humming and hawing. He's got a 2,001-1. Oh Jesus Christ! Uh, that so landed. John has a man bun somehow now, and uh, essentially Sansa tells him the man up, and this yeah, and he and he like he like grudgingly goes along. I wrote like that. What else is he gonna do? Yeah, but I expected him to get pissed in the in the book. He like he is taken with such emotion uh, because of the letter. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna fuck this guy up. Let's go, all my boys, round up. We're gonna go take down Ramsey." And in the show, he's just like, well, if you want to, I guess we'll we'll go attack <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I don't remember the book offhand, but but no, that, that I mean, sense. it was it, he was definitely emotional and he acted uh, and, impulsively, right? And they still haven't discussed the fact that John's dead. Come on, <laughs> you're standing, you're talking about this with an undead monster. Uh, they could have brought it up at least one time in this episode. Yeah, and the uh, the death, I guess, frees him from the bur- the burdens of being a member of the Night's Watch. Yeah, but not according why to Dolores. Why does it free him from being? A, why does it free him from being a, the obligations of his family? So I he, gets, guess. he gets to start over. Yeah, I mean, you would think <laughs> till death do us part. I mean, that's when you get married. But you would think, oh, that was the old Jon Snow. I don't have to do any of this. Yeah. Plus, Sansa or, was mean to him as a kid, so I don't think he needs to. He has to. Well, yeah, around. people got real hyped about that. Uh, that um, I, I guess there was only one scene that John and Sansa were in and together in the first se- season. Well, Sansa takes after her mom, and her mom, uh, Lady Stark, can't remember her name, uh, Caitlin, Catelyn, uh, yeah. hated John because obviously John was a product, uh, according to Eddard, of uh, you know, she was adulterous a sex. Book. Yeah, exactly. She was definitely yeah. a bitch. So I think Sansa took on her mom's stance. Uh, about John, so, but that they were punishing a kid. I mean, I, he didn't have anything to do with it. But anyways, anyways. All right. So, uh, why don't you take us to uh, Call Con? Okay. So, uh, 
you know, it's a monster truck rally in Horsey Town, and all the rednecks are around. <laughs> you'll buy the entire horse, but you'll only need the saddle. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I just wrote, this is just painful. Uh, Danny's fate is being decided by all the leaders or calls of the, you know, the horsey people. And, you know, they meet, and they're trying to discuss what to do with her, and she starts talking all big about how uh, you know, it just went on really long. I zoned out through most of this. But essentially, she starts talking shit about how none of them are worth leading the Dothraki, but she is. Uh, I guess they had an offer from uh, Yukai. They could get 10,000 points. Oh, yeah, I yeah. guess. But uh, didn't Danny offer them like a thousand horses as well, or 10,000 horses to, <laughs> to return her to Marine, the same guy? So if they were motivated by horses, they would have just returned Danny. Uh, well, it seemed like there. a very favorable exchange rate. I guess, for yeah. 10,000 horses. Yeah, I mean, but can you fuck a horse? Never try. <laughs> we'll rule it out. <laughs> we'll rule it out. Anyway, so she talks a whole bunch of noise, and they're like, "We're all right, fuck it. You're not going to spend the rest of your life. We're all going to kill you. We're going to rape you, and then we're going to have our horses finish you off. Um and you then, forget the multiple, like multiple minute history lesson that she gives them. Oh, I, yeah. Like I said, it's owned out through all this. So it's so yeah, enlightened. Terrible. Me. Oh, so you, you want to skip over it as well because you thought it, it was equally as dismissible. I wanted to use the phrase history lesson. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I got enough of that. Uh, this is a goddamn snooze. It is a snooze fest. But okay. So. She tells them that she's better than them and they threaten to kill her and then she's like, no, you're going to die. And she pushes all these brazers over uh, and the fire spreads everywhere, uh, making the tent burn down. And she needed Jorah and Dario to lock the gate. That's all that she needed these guys to do. Like, her big plan... And why? uh, my thing I wrote down too is why does she need the trust of the one Dothraki widow, the young one, she just because presumably be- she went back to the other uh, Khalees, Khalees, uh She went back to the other Doge Colleen. Yeah, with that lady, and had, she didn't have to say any. She didn't say anything about what's going to happen. Or yeah, at least- her silence would have been guaranteed if they would have killed her. So I don't see how she factors into the plan by. Well, then if she the walked trust. back in there without the other the other Doge Colleen, then that would have been raised suspicions. No, she's just going to been like, yeah, she's taking a dump. Yeah, she, I had to, <laughs> I had break to go water. number she one. She did number. <laughs> she had to go number two. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, she fucking burns the place down, and I guess she's fireproof, even though uh, she's specifically not in the books. And I, once again, I don't want to be all, this didn't happen to the books. I just want to say, this is just very cheesy. Um, it was way too clear cut, and it was just too perfect how she killed all the guys. And I think this is one of these like manufactured moments like, when she was, uh, do you remember? I don't know if it was season two or three, but she just freed all the slaves in uh, Yunkai or one of the other uh, slave cities, and all the dark people like raised her lily white body up and like basically yeah. like crowd surfing, and it was this, yeah, we yelling Misa, and she was the white savior. Uh, I felt like this was a similar scene that just didn't hit for me. Uh, I felt yeah, empty I inside. Did, after uh, watching this, this, this required so much suspension of disbelief. There was no windows in the place. The doors were jammed. The floor right. was made of lava. I mean, the brassiere spread perfectly. I, I understand why people got excited about it, but I think you and I both turn a skeptical eye to just about anything and where they're 
this was a scene where it just seemed like just so over the top. Um, yeah, but, it just seemed too you know. contrived, uh, too neat. Yeah, and, then, and, 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 and I think the, sh- the show's taking the position that she's flame retarded throughout the entire she show. She is definitely retardant. Like, this well, whole show instance, is retarded. For instance, she's picked up the, she picked up the eggs that didn't burn her. Uh, when her little baby dragons uh, fried uh, that weird look pre at pry or whatever, they were it looked like they would have burned her if she was not flame retardant. I mean, I think the yeah, show is taking. Yeah, the even if even if I allow for that, it just seemed like too, too. I don't know, too too easy. Or it was, a con- it was definitely a contrived moment, right? And and really, yeah, because of the result, I question the actions that led up to it. If that makes sense. Yeah. The fact that you had this like scene where everybody in the village is coming to see the the tent burnt down, uh, and they all like have the same thought to kneel to her. Um, well, I do like that. Th- this is one of these scenes where she's walking around yelling titles at people, and she's completely un. Um, she's completely not qualified for anything. Um, this is one of the first ep- the first scenes where again she's taking it back, and she's been able to propel herself towards this crown that she thinks she deserves through her own actions. And that she thought this plan out, the plan worked. I mean, it, listen, it was all a bunch of nonsense, but at least it makes sense from her character in that. No, now. no. Yeah. I, it makes sense. It's just dumb. And that's yeah. what I want to point out. Um, as I feel like this show can be so smart at times. Uh, but it scenes like this that I just think are, I don't know. They just don't, they, they ring hollow to me. It just rings yeah. hollow. Like I feel like it's like watching like a like a tearjerker of a movie and feeling nothing. Going well, I can see how it's supposed to be sad, but yeah, now that I, because of that it. whole thing, that silly scene. Now she has a hundred thousand Dothrakis by her side. Right, it's just too convenient. Like I said, yeah. she 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 didn't risk enough or she didn't suffer enough to earn it. I guess I and don't know. The person just emerging from the flames. That is a terrible way to select your governing bodies. <laughs> right. But yeah, anything else to say about this scene as a whole be- or the episode in general? Oh, well, so this scene, uh, it, this is another one um, where we're over, just like Marine, uh, it feels like we're spinning wheels here. I don't, and that, maybe it's because I don't, can't figure out where this ties in. Because what is she going to do with all these Dothraki? Is she going to go conquer the slavers? If she does, how does that fit into the finale? Well, is she going- I, uh- I always assumed that she was going to go back to Slaver's Bay and just kill everybody and be like a tyrant. Not worried about ruling anymore. Just because uh, in the book, it makes it clear that she's not one that rules or governs. She's like Robert Baratheon in which Robert Baratheon was a terrible king, but he was really good at being a warrior and getting the crown or, or achieving the... You know, it's the difference between getting an A and keeping an A. Um, and that's a great uh, reference on my part, so congratulations. I don't know what that reference is. Uh, you know, it says easy to get an A, but to maintain a, a grade point average of 4.0 is a lot harder. So, like, you can pass one test, but, like, uh, maintaining that is incredibly hard. And Danny's better at just conquering people as opposed to ruling them. Is that a reference to the person who said that? No. So this is just one of Doug's tips? Well, this is one of Doug's tips, and another Doug's tips is you put a little baking soda in your, uh, you know, toothpaste, and it whitens yeah, your teeth. You always try faster. shoes on at the end of the day when your feet are the most swollen. Right, and if you're gonna yeah. weigh yourself, weigh yourself in the morning where you lost all that water weight. Yeah, uh, this has been 
Doug's tips. No, but uh, but you know, in the book, uh, she's been trying to rule Marine, and then she has this like uh, acid trip in uh, the desert or in the uh, the grass sea, and she's thinking, I need to remember who I am or what I am. Um, and I think she is just a conqueror. She's you know, she's a dragon rider. She's not a you know, she's not like Tyrion. She's not somebody who likes enjoys politics or ruling over people. She just knows how to conquer um, and be a warrior. Got it. So she she clears them out, and then uh, Tyrion rules and keeps keeps things in good order. I right. Guess. That's what I would yeah. assume. But I hope that Tyrion's going to ride a dragon because I hope he's a t- secret Targaryen. Yeah, I think that's where we're headed, but there's been no indication either way. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right, so let's go on to our ratings. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this a 2.5. I'm going to give this south of 50-50. Like like I said, there were some parts that intrigued me, but uh, as a whole, I think the ending really took it down um, a notch for me. It ended on such a sour note for me that I feel like... um, like I said, it's it's almost as bad as the first episode in my eyes. Well, I did I did want to you know before we finish up on this episode, I did want to point out I did think it was funny that every single person was looking down at the end, and Jorah had to <laughs> look up and take a peek at. <laughs> did you notice that? I did notice that Dario was very like reluctant to like. No, no, I, think, I think Dario was actually realizing the full amount of her power. No, no, no. Uh, Jorah kneeled first, but mm-hmm. and Dario kneeled second by going, oh, shit, I guess I should kneel. But you're right. I guess Jorah looked up by going, oh, yeah. I guess. And the thing that I popped into my head was, take a picture of the last longer, Jorah. <laughs> Jorah. Some, some for your spank bank. Yeah. And no, I, he, let's he talk filed about, that away longer ago. <laughs> well, let's talk about this. Uh, you know, she did show her uh, breasts in the first season, but you know she's like, uh, I guess, uh, leveled up as an actress in Hollywood and doesn't have to show her nudity for like a premium. So I imagine this was another uh, CGI um, body double, but I, I no, can't confirm I, I that. Was, listen, I, I, I was curious about this, so I was. <laughs> of course, you were curious about this, you fucking pervert. No, that is not you. You've known me a long time, Doug. I've never been that. All right, all right. So tell me what your research found. No, no, no. no. I read that. Um, uh, I I read somewhere that um, that she the clause was unless it involved evolved the show or it had something important to do, which obviously they could have done that shot without her clothes burning off. It wouldn't make any sense, I guess. Or they could have just shown her head or her face or her body yes. from a distance. Uh, they didn't have to show her naked body, but I figured since they showed it uh, so plainly, is it her body? Do we know this? Well, I, th- I think it was. I think it was, but I'm not entirely sure. I just read that the the clause is. God, I feel like a sicko even just talking about this. Yeah, clause. well, you are you're too late. No, just just no. own it. I just read shit online. I'm yeah, but the the. the- <laughs> The motivation to read the shit is what makes you a uh, fucking person. No, I didn't specifically seek it out. Uh huh. Cut it. Cut this. Cut the. Cut all this. Sorry, <laughs> podcast. No, no. I just read that she wouldn't. The clause was she wouldn't do any any nudity unless it had to do. Unless it was really, really, really important. But it does make sense in this episode. Of yeah, the- I guess because if if she was naked in the the first season, which I I I have to go back and rewatch, and I refuse to do it. Uh, when she emerged from the flames there when the dragons were born, which is this is just a recreation or a callback of that, 
I imagine they'd want to keep some kind of continuity, but this show hasn't really cared about continuity yeah. um, to any great extent. So, no, it might have just been the creep showrunners just trying to get around that clause. Right? They're probably like, <laughs> okay, how can we make yeah. her take off her clothes? Oh right. yeah, and then how do we get Ramsey up in them guts? <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, so give me your uh, rating. Oh gosh, you know it, this was like again, the show had almost zero action. But you like the potential and you like what it sets up. I, it's setting up so many things. Uh, interesting parallels between different characters. Um, so set that up in a 10-point scale with five 5.5s or whatever. What did you, you did you do a 2.5 out of 10? Uh, 2.5 out of 5, which is a 10. Why are you telling me to do a 10-point scale? It is a 10-point scale. 1, 2, so, 3, 4, 5, and okay, then the 0.5s. <laughs> right. more scale. <laughs> We're going to use it. Keep going. I'm going to give it a 3.25. Uh, I did not say it was a 1, 2, 3. <laughs> a, a bigger number scale than 10. You have to round up to either no, we up just to, go to five. Point, we just go to 6.5. Or if you want to put it on 1 to 20, we just go to a 13. Okay. Wh- all right. Round it up to 3.5 or 3.0. Round it down. I can't do it. Well, uh, okay. Brian is taking the fifth on this one, and not 5.0, the fifth, as in not speaking, uh, or not uh, going along by the rules of the podcast. So he will not return, and I will get a new co-host next week. Um, moving on to the next week on Game of Thrones. Oh, they got a Monday's free. <laughs> What's Yeah, Monday's free. All right, so uh, next thing. the next on, we have Littlefinger meets Sansa. Uh, and God, that guy can travel fast. I don't know how he's at Castle Black or wherever Sansa is, but he goes from the Vale to wherever Sansa is uh, next episode. So that'll be interesting. And I wonder. I, 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 try, I really looked to see what that was. I don't know how it's not Castle Black. Right. But I don't know. But uh, she's pissed at him. She's like, did you know about Ramsey? Did you know he was such a dick? So they'll obviously hash it out. I don't think anything is going to come of it. I think they're going to make nice somehow uh, and just move on. And hopefully, well, this this is the way that they make nice very easily. Is he gives her and uh, John the Knights of the Veil, vale. right? And says, "Hey, uh, I've got the guys to yeah, two thousand dudes, two thousand and one one. Well, I've got another, I don't know, let's say five, ten thousand dudes from the Veil. Vale. And I mean, it is a big deal because the Veil vale didn't join the army at all, so all their dudes are fresh. Um, yeah, I don't, and I don't know how if there's been any indication how many uh, people they have in their squad. I, I don't think there's any indication, but I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna assume that all seven uh, kingdoms have an equal amount of uh, force, and I, that's just probably a naive or oversimplification. But that's a pretty good uh, amount of people. Um, and, and I've always gotten the feeling that the uh, the knights of the Vale are strong warriors. Uh, like they're a formidable force. Yeah, I, I'd assume that as well. I mean, we don't have any evidence of that uh, in sure. the books or the show, so we'll see what <laughs> happens. Um, but then we move on. We get more House of Snoozes or House of Black and White. Looks like uh, uh, Arya is set on another killing mission because she's handed a vial of poison, I imagine. Is that what you took from that? I did. And so what I'm, what I'm guessing, and this is all just me guessing, is that they have to be setting her up for a final test where she's asked to kill somebody that she doesn't want to kill 
I think you are just wrote. you're hoping for the end game. I feel like they could just stretch this out for another seven or eight episodes of her training. God, God they've done it for a dozen already. It's really? awful, but she's been like four as a street rat alone. Goddamn street rat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hope so too. I hope they're pushing her story forward, and I hope uh, she's going to come into you know some conflict that'll break her away from the house of uh, black and white, so she can sure. move on and join. The, the main story with all the other protagonists. And then the next uh, preview is the King's Moot. Where King's Yara Moot! Claiming to be the king. And uh, I saw something funny online. <laughs> that, uh, in the background, you can see uh, Gendry rowing past. Jesus Christ. Because, I mean, Gendry, you would you would think he'd reappear. Maybe he won't. I don't know. Yeah, you, they just kind of disposed of him. They told him to just, you know, Davos saved him and said, just row that way really, really fast. And if something gets but in your way, turn. He's got Robert Baratheon's uh, blood in him, so right, and he's the he's the only surviving bastard because Cersei or um, or Joffrey had all of Robert's bastards killed. So there's some importance to him, you would think, but uh, it's been so long since we've seen him. I don't know how they'd work him back in, but other than uh, Melisandre setting him on fire, that'd be nice. Yep. So then we see uh, back in the uh, Marine. Uh, throne room and some random ladies threatening varies and yeah i wrote that she's another red priestess like um uh, that's possible melisandre she's wearing red uh she has some pretty thick eyebrows which i find sexy on a woman uh but i wondered is priestess almost as sexy as that thick arm hair right (laughs) or back hair what what the fuck is gonna happen like why is this uh red priestess there what is she going to contribute rando lady i don't know i don't know like i know they they talked about it when um Varys and Tyrion were wandering around the city. They they saw a red priest, and he was talking about how the citizens of Marine have to defend themselves. Yes. And Tyrion said that's going to be a problem. I imagine this is the problem uh, manifesting itself, but I have no idea what this means or how it's going to fit into the plot to have another um, red priestess. Dang, that's going to be annoying if now we have to deal with... Uh Another religion, like we've already got enough problems, Marine. Do we need to deal with the crazy religion? I agree with you. I, I'm not looking forward to it. Sure, and, and you know that's the thing. There's only what maybe 20 episodes left. Yeah, yeah. This, this How much whole, nonsense is there going to be? Right. The whole the whole plot has been expanding so much. It's got to start to contract. Yes. Yes. For the and, end and, game, as some as some unsophisticated rubes would refer to the final. Countdown as, but this there. I mean, it really is. I mean, unless this entire thing uh, beyond the wall has been nothing, it really has to be a battle between people and others, right. and they've got to get to that point. And that's a long ways to go with so many open storylines with only twenty episodes left. I don't know how they get there. I, I feel like this is at the end of this season will be more contraction. I feel like this is still like. A meandering mess, uh, but the end of this season and going into next season will really start to condense the plot, and people will either start dying off or coming together uh, for this final battle. Um, so, but I yeah, think I, mean, I think this whole sense. season I think this whole season could be more meandering nonsense or wandering. Um, but but that's just my take on it. I, I don't know if that's going to come to pass. But then it could be more meandering in season eight, or at least you're compressed. right. And then season six, it's all about humans versus others. We can only hope. 
or the, I'm sorry, the last season, which is six episodes. So then uh, we uh, cut to Bran, and he's standing in front of the uh, the Night's King and a uh, and a huge undead and, army. Well, yeah. I thought. And mm-hmm. it looks like everybody was looking at him. All the zombies, all the undead army zombies, and the Night's King was looking at him. Like they can see him peering into their uh, time and place. Yes. Uh, and that was uh, the, uh, we saw the, the, the shot with the Night's King and Bran from the season six preview. Right. And so we see uh, Mira attempting to wake him from the tree matrix. Yeah, which makes you wonder what happened to Grandpa uh, lives in a tree. Uh, why isn't he saving? Uh, Grandpa lives in a tree. <laughs> yeah, why isn't he saving Brand? Nailed it. <laughs> why isn't he coming over and going? I think they can see you now. I think we've seen enough. And putting his arm on his shoulder yeah. and getting him out of Dodge. What, is some is good he stuff. like? Yeah, is is he does nightmare stuff? And the guy's nowhere to be found. Right. Obviously, the three-eyed raven or crow, whatever, is not around to govern uh, Brand's wandering in this scene. Because I would think he would be helping him out. Mira's trying to, Mira is trying to wake him up. So this is where he goes to look. I I would have thought he would have gone back to the tower or maybe to see you know um, what Cersei oh, looks shit. like naked. Is that the, what? Is is that the end of the Tower of Joy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, is uh, that it? Lyanna Stark gives birth to the Night's King. We don't know that that no 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 no. I mean, is there any indication that he ends up back at the Tower of Joy? That would be nice, but that would be two brand scenes, and I don't know if they'll do that, because definitely the Night's King scene will happen in the show. But they could ball, it could be all misdirect, and we could have two separate brand flashbacks. Uh, one of him with the Night's I King. Yeah, I doubt they're, it, too. They're probably so. saving the Tower of Joy until late this season or maybe yeah, next season. season nine or ten. We'll find out. Yeah, for this, the... the uh, the post sequels. Post. That's, oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's not even a thing. Uh, I hope I see the the bro racky or what's left of them. Brotorage. Brotorage. Both Rackrage. Yeah, Dothraki in the city. So I don't think there was a whole lot to say about the inside the episode. Um, no, although they they did invoke Lincoln, <laughs> which I loved. That is they're the like, one thing I wrote like, down was Lincoln was inspiration. <laughs> what a, what a fucking like lazy ass. Uh, they were talking about freeing the slaves, so you know. And the guy even said it. He's like, "Funny enough, uh, we referred to Abraham Lincoln." I was like, "That's not funny enough. That's the dumbest thing that anybody. If you think about freeing slaves, your first thought about putting a human being to that is Abraham Lincoln. It's like a trivial pursuit question. Who this person freed the slaves? You're gonna think Abraham Lincoln right away. So, um, nope, just, Spartacus. Spartacus. Yeah. Uh, God. <laughs> So uh, inside the episode was particularly bad this week. Yeah, I've uh, they're harder and harder to watch. Yes. Um, All right, I'd say we make more predictions for next week, but Jesus, we've been going on a long time. We've been going on too long. I will. My one prediction will be uh, based on the next on. Uh, I'm guessing that Littlefinger is going to join Sansa, and they're going to make nice, and the the Knights of the Vale are going to be a part of this huge onslaught. Which I wonder how they're going to drag it down because this is the. This is episode, what, four? This was four. We just right. reviewed. Yes. So we're going to have ten episodes, and if Littlefinger's already there, I would assume the Veil vale Knights are there, and what is stopping us from marching on Winterfell right now? How are they going to stretch this out till till episode nine? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so uh, 
On behalf of Brian, this is Doug, and this has been Ashamed of Thrones. Uh, We'll see you next week for the next episode. Take care, and I'm sorry. Sorry.